are live from the Empire of Lies. It's time for the show that brings you the truth behind the headlines. I'm Lee Strahan, and this is The Backstory. So Wednesday show, the day after Trump announced to no one's surprise that he's running for president. Did that surprise you at all, Rod? Not at all, Lee. Not, not at all, Lee. Yeah, so it's what, we, what everyone knew was coming last night. But a couple of things he said, I'm going to go after him on. But to talk about that, from Mar-a-Lago, Malik Abdul, the great Sputnik correspondent, Malik Abdul, was there at Trump's big announcement. And I assume he heard a Rolling Stone song. Have you noticed that? Trump always plays You Can't Always Get What You Want by the Rolling Stones. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I did notice that, yeah. Now, I think that's a very interesting song to play. Basically, he's telling him, I'm not what you want, but I could be what you need. I think that's the subtle message he's sending. Then in the second hour on today's show, we're joined by the great Daniel Zarya. And we'll be talking about the Republican wave. What would you call it? He he called it a ripple. Daniel called it a ripple. A wave pool? Sure, a, a, a kiddie pool, a tide pool, something like that. So, uh, have, have the GOP won the House yet? Has that been established for sure? Uh, I don't think so. The last time I, I saw CNN, it was still counting. And it's just interesting. Some things on the news, they're very quick to point out. They're in a rush to say Russia lost a missile into one of our NATO allies, Poland. Do you see how quick they got that one? They didn't wait a couple days to find out. They accused them immediately, Rod. We talked about that a little yesterday. Am I right? They jumped right on that kind of story. Yeah, a lot, a lot of the media jumped immediately on that. And today, well, 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 as we said, it is not Russia, but Ukraine who launched a missile into Poland. And I'll talk about that in a second. But have you noticed that, Rod, that immediately upon figuring out the truth, they stopped reporting on it? It's, it's just a memory hold, Lee. It's a memory hold now. And in fact, what they're saying, well, I'll talk about that in a second, but we're taking your calls, 202-521-1320. Rod, take us to the boom, please. You listen to the best show on the radio, The Backstory. So I don't know where to start. Uh, you know, I think at this point, if you do not recognize the facts about what's going on, it's because you want to be clueless. Anyone who's paying attention, this is obviously a failed false flag attempt by Ukraine and the U.S. Right, Rod? I don't know what else to call it. They blamed Russia for something Russia didn't do. And in fact, Ukraine did. And so what they do when they figure out that there's proof, you know, for instance, those photo evidence that it was a S-300, the Russian-made missile, that uh, air defense missile that Ukraine's got a lot of, right? So despite the fact 
And now Milley and other people are coming out and saying, we don't think it was Russia. But they're still saying it's ultimately Russia's fault. Have you been hearing that, Rod? Yeah, when you, you call you called me earlier to talk about uh, Stoltenberg, and uh, <laughs> you know when I saw the clip, I was like, "Wait, I just I just heard this immediate this it, I mean this exact phrase from uh, from Austin, and uh, you know because they're repeating the same exact line all over the globe that well you know we've determined and it was Ukraine who uh, it was Ukrainian missile, but ultimately it's Russia's responsibility. Everyone's well, saying the same exact thing. Good point. So let's get that clip ready, Command Central. Let's play the clip of Stoltenberg and uh, Milley saying the same thing. Do you have that clip? This is amazing. Listen up, everyone. This is what a failed false flag sounds like. Hit it. took place as Russia launched a massive wave of rocket attacks across Ukraine. Since the start of Russia's illegal war in Ukraine, NATO has increased uh, vigilance across our eastern flank. And we are monitoring the situation on a continuous basis. An investigation into this incident is ongoing, and we need to await its outcome. But we have no indication that this was the result of a deliberate attack. And we have no indication that Russia is preparing offensive military actions against NATO. Our preliminary analysis suggests that the incident was likely caused by a Ukrainian air defense missile fired to defend Ukrainian territory against Russian cruise missile attacks. But let me be clear. This is not Ukraine's fault. Russia bears ultimate responsibility as it continues its illegal war against Ukraine. We're still gathering information, but we have seen nothing that contradicts President Duda's preliminary assessment that this explosion was most likely the result of a Ukrainian air defense missile that unfortunately landed in Poland. And whatever the final conclusions may be, the world knows that Russia bears ultimate responsibility for this incident. Russia launched another barrage of missiles against Ukraine specifically intended to target Ukraine's civilian infrastructure. And that, that's to me like saying the woman bears the ultimate responsibility because she wore a short skirt. Does that make sense, Rod? Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, come on, Lee. this is just like we're bizarre world for Superman, you know, you just they invert the truth and just, you know, it's always Russia's fault no matter what. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. But I'll tell you who disagrees with them as of last night, Donald Trump. So get that clip ready. But let's bring on our first caller of the day, part of a great backstory community of callers, the great killer of owls, the slayer of birds, the one, the only owl killer. What's on your mind, owl killer? All right, I want to touch on Trump's uh, speech, but I, I just have to, I just have to talk about um, the the um, missiles that hit Poland yesterday. So. If Russia did it, it was the end of the world. But magically, the wand, because it was a Ukrainian missile, the world doesn't end. So 
And in fact, does it's, anybody it's, else? It's, uh, even though Ukraine fired missiles, it's not their fault. Oops. You know, it's nuts. And it, 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 Marie Zakharova said, uh, let me tell you this to Al Keller. She said something very important. I'm not quoting her directly, but I'm paraphrasing. But she did mention in these incidents, she said, we are now seeing why the U.S. has not gotten to the bottom of JFK assassination or 9-11 yet. And that's very significant coming from a Russian official saying this is why, because we are the empire of lies, we did not get to the bottom of JFK or 9-11. Do you think it's significant of Zakharova saying that? Not, I mean, I, I agree with what he said. I don't think it's significant because it's coming from an, it's coming from an opponent. So it's that, that would be natural. Even if it wasn't true that you would try to cause people in the country that you're up against to believe that their government lies to them, which obviously let's not skip off the, let's not skip off the, if it's true, is it true? No, it's definitely true. 100%. Then, then, okay, I think it's very significant. And I think that Russia is once again pointing out the truth that no American media outlet wants to cover. No one is saying, and, and, but, but go ahead, Al Keller, because I want to, but I, well, let me, let me get to this and while you're online, let me play what Trump said last night. This is what Donald Trump said last night. And by the way, he was not asked a question. He was not required to say a damn thing about this Polish incident that Ukraine dropped a missile on Poland. That's what happened. Let's let's lay it out there. Ukraine dropped a missile on Poland and Donald Trump was not asked about it. He did not have to say anything. If he had not said anything at all, no one would have objected. But let's listen to what Donald Trump, the standard bearer for Republicans, the presumptive nominee, said. Hit it. And even the Democrats admit that. That's something I've seen them admit over and over again. But our enemies are speaking of us with scorn and laughter and derision because of those two events. But there are many more. Even just today, a missile was sent in probably by Russia to Poland, 50 miles into Poland. And people are going absolutely wild and crazy. And they're not happy. They are very, very angry. Now we have a president who falls asleep at global conferences. And we have a former president who lies about Russia to a large crowd. Donald Trump is disqualified from being elected president. You do not go up and lie about another country blatantly. You heard him, Al Keller. He said Russia's probably behind it. He's wrong. And people defending him can't defend that he's wrong. And if you say, well, he get, he heard it on the media, I, you know, because that's the only argument that you make. Well, Donald Trump was misinformed. Okay. 
Why was he misinformed? Hasn't he learned anything? What say you, Al Killer? There is some type of cult. I, I don't know what it is. There's some type of cult mentality where his voters know what's really going on in Ukraine. By and large, it's his voters that know about if if anybody knows anything about the overthrow in 2014, it's his voters. But because they want the champion, they'll say, yeah, if he was in office, it wouldn't have happened. Yeah, R- Russia is the aggressor. It's a psychosis. I, it just happens throughout human history. I don't know. Wh- I, I don't have words for it because I'm watching the stuff that the Greeks and the Egyptians must, I mean, the Greeks and the Romans must have said about the Egyptians. And then the Byzantines must have said about the Romans. And then now, the French and the let, English. Me put, let me put you on the spot for one second. Because when you were talking there, you did an impression of a dumb guy. Does that make sense? In the middle of that sentence, you started talking like a Trump supporter. And you started using a voice. Can you give me your dumb guy voice again? Oh, you got to give me something to say. Or give me another point and I can get into it. I, I, Just say, I, it's uh, gotta be say vote for AOC. Let's try that. No, I, I no, I, I can't do the vote for AOC, but I'll, I'll do the, uh, the, the stupid uh, Trump voter again. If, if Trump was in office, this wouldn't have happened. You, you see, sleepy Joe, he's, he's over there sleeping. No, great job. I, I want to point out something. It's very close to your Bernie Sanders, actually. No, my Bernie is. Uh, 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 you want me to do Bernie? I'll do Bernie. Yeah, do Bernie. Yes. Okay, when I'm, if I'm elected president, there will not only be a chicken in every pot, there will be pot in every chicken, and every child will have a computer, and a new scooter, and uh, your wife will have a free trick, uh, trip to Aruba, or maybe Bermuda, and uh, everything is going to be free. Okay, well done. Now, Rod... Am I mistaken, or is his Bernie close to his Trump dumb guy? Is it close, Rod? No, no, he, he puts a little more New York into the Bernie, so you know you can hear. Yeah, it a little yeah, look, that, that, look, man, that's a Brooklyn accent right there. You can't, you can't look when you grow up on the East Coast. You each borough has its own language and or has its own uh, has its own accent. I, I, I could Bernie is the guy on the soapbox from the 1930s, but. I, I want to say something about the Trump speech, R- really important. We just had a cartoon character from another planet show up and say he's going to restructure the world with a German accent. You know, look, I, I'm not that old, but I'm old enough where I don't like taking orders from people with German accents. I'm sorry. And instead of attack, instead of going after, hey, there really are crazy people that are trying to change, that are trying to bring about a one-world government, and they're causing all these conflicts in order to bring it to bring it to fruition. It goes to the energy crisis. It goes to the uh, food shortages. It goes to the war you're seeing with Ukraine and Russia. And instead, he's talking about Nancy Pelosi's fired, and everybody laughs. It, it's there's just something there's something wrong with. Uh, I don't know if this country is. In its current form, I don't know if it's sal- salvageable. I, there's just something insane about this where well, you actually have I would say, an enemy that— I'd say you're actually probably right, Al Keller. And that's why focusing on saving the whole country, because imagine how 
delusional that sounds even. Uh, you know, if I said to you, I'm going to save the country today, you'd go, are you nuts? But I think you can live a good life. I think individual people can focus on protecting their family and friends more. But I think saving the country, this has been my point about Pennsylvania and Arizona. Screw them. They get what they, did, they deserve. But Al Killer, I got to move on. But great call, as usual, Al Killer. It's just time and Teresa online. So let's go. 202-521-1320. The one, the only, Tarif, you're online on the backstory. What's on your mind, sir? How you doing, Lee? How y'all doing, Rob? Um, <clears throat> first, I'd like to say free drilling signs. I got three comments. First comment is this. Uh, Russia hitting the uh, infrastructure of Ukraine again. I really feel to believe when they hit you, they're going to go into Ukraine with the hundreds of thousands of troops, more troops, to seize some more territory in Ukraine. I think Kyiv might be one of them. I could be wrong, but I think I'm right. Second comment is this. I, I don't think there's any possible way the Chinese are going to they've, – they've not said anything about joining Russia militarily. Russia hasn't said they need China. And I don't think – if you want to see World War III start, that would start that. So I'm just going to say I don't think there's any way possible China will go in militarily. Okay, Tariq? But, but no, go not on. China. Russia. No, I was talking about – no, I must have made a mistake to say China. No, I was talking about Russia. Going into Ukraine, no, um, and I may have um, misunderstood. It's all right. I got one more after this one. My second comment: When um, Miss Green get hate of those committees, hopefully, I want her to subpoena peace me for my whistleblower testimony, so I can get them to subpoena the uh, head of the VA in um, Houston, Texas, and New Orleans as well, and also the mayors to see what they know about anything dealing with the construction company that supposedly fix the pipe that was causing the problems and also subpoenaing the head of the EPA to get my um, document from from being classified to unclassified. Second comment is this. They also need to subpoena Green, Ms. Green and others need to subpoena Durham and the people around Durham that got away from Durham when he was doing that investigating dealing with what was happening like in 2018, 19, 2020, 2016, they need to subpoena all those people, like um, the people that got away from Durham, you know what I'm saying, you know the people, Lee, are around there, to put them right in front of the, um, the, the uh, committee and just um, just go after them, you know what I'm saying? And also start another church committee again. That would be good to look into COINTELPRO and, and um, um, MKUltra. That's my comments for the day. Thank you all. So I agree with that point completely. And I think someone like Marjorie Taylor Greene or Lone Bobert or Thomas Massey should start a new church committee. I, I absolutely think that. But let me point out something. Great call, Tariq. Thanks for the call. And thanks for being part of the Backstory community of listeners. Rod, let me ask you a question about the Republican victory in the House, at least which seems like it's going to be. Does it seem to you like the Republicans are going to take the House, Rod? Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, it definitely seems that way. And they're already, you know, talking about committees. So, yeah. But let me ask you a question. What effing difference does it make? Because they've already, today, 
They, as predicted, as I said they would, they voted Mitch McConnell leader of the Senate. Rick Scott went nowhere, right? I predicted that. And what good has the Republican victory done if we still have Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell at the top leadership position? Do you understand what I'm saying, Rod? Yeah, no, I know exactly what you're saying. And I was actually talking with uh, Tyler Nixon about this. And uh, I wanted I was asking him if there was a way to uh, find out who voted for this. Like, is there an open list to say who voted yes or no? Because those are the people that need to be gone. Every, every, everyone who voted yes. Um, so, yeah, no, definitely. I agree. Lee. Like you said, what difference is it going to make? We're going to have these show trials that's going to lead to nothing. But, you know, information is going to come out. So that would be a good, the only good thing about it. Now, so also... I'm going to tell Command Central, keep that Trump clip handy, because I'm going to be playing that again. Okay, Command Central? Okay, because we got Malik coming up, who was at Mar-a-Lago, was at there. And I'm really pissed about this. Even if, you know, some people last night, I, I said Trump was stupid to say that. And that was before, that was when I had had enough evidence let me point out one thing that's unfair about the way people like me approach the news as opposed to the media. The media just says anything, and they're never held accountable. But I always worry. I don't know if this makes sense, Rod. I would worry personally about saying something wrong. For instance, let's say Russia had accidentally launched a missile at Poland. Okay, let's say they said we did it, but it was accidental. Now, if I reported that Russia had not done it and it came out Russia had done it, I would never hear the end of it. I'd be called a Putin puppet who was lying for him. Does it make sense, Rod? Yeah, 100 percent, 100 percent. But instead, if the mainstream media once again, once again, how many times does the mainstream media have to buy into Ukraine's lies? They never explain them. They never point them out. And they never take responsibility for lying. Infinite number of times. Right? So they don't care. Even though the Washington Post ran a story last night admitting that they didn't know who was behind the missile launch, but talking about Article 5 of NATO and why it might be kicked into place. Oh yeah, they just want, want yeah, they just want they just want to start this thing off uh, immediately. Lee. Right. And I, I was only willing to go so far. I was willing to say it does not appear to be Russia because I don't want to be wrong. I don't want to say it was not Russia and then it turns out to be. But they don't care about saying definitely it was Russia. And the reason I want you to hear, Trump did not, the reason I'm keeping that clip around, I'm going to play it again. Trump did not say Russia may have been behind it. He said Russia's probably behind it. There's no possible justification for Donald Trump saying that. And Trump was wrong again. And Al Killer's broad point, Donald Trump has not proved to me ever, Donald Trump has never proven to me that he understands the threat of the deep state or the threat of the WEF.
What has Donald Trump said that anybody can point to about the World Economic Forum or Klaus Schwab? Rod, am I missing something? No, he's uh, he's brought them into the fold, Lee. So uh, no, and if you remember, I can't remember the guy's name now, but uh, he had that clip where he was uh, putting the guy on blast. I can't remember his name right now. He was, he was a Goldman Sachs part of his administration, and he says, and and Trump says, you know, I'm a globalist too. Right, and uh, I think heart Trump's heart is in the right place. I think Trump has a sense that something called the deep state is out there and it's bad. Does that make sense? Rod? Yeah, I mean, he hears it from his supporters all the time. So, yeah, he, he definitely has that sense. But I don't know if he, he, I don't think he fully grasped it, especially with the people surrounding him. But let's talk to Malik Abdul about that. The Spunnikers correspondent who was at Trump's announcement that he's running for re-election in 2024. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we're talking to the great Malik Abdul on The Backstory. Backstory and on the radio on 105.5 FM AM 1390 in Washington, D.C., the capital of the Empire of Lies. Joining us now is the great Malik Abdul, co host sometimes of the show Fall Lines here on Radio Sputnik. Malik, how are you doing? I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I mean, it's 80 degrees in Florida, so. I think I'm doing okay. <laughs> okay, let me let me tell you, you bastard. Let me explain what's going on here. I'm in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. It's 23 degrees. <laughs> Why did you torture me, Malik? What have you got against me? It's 23. Well, wow. It's 60 degrees. 23. Colder. Yes, sir. It's 23 degrees. Wow. Well, yes. yeah. Well, and that's why I, I came from DC. Yeah, I came from D.C. where it was in the 40s. And of course, I get off the plane with my sweatshirt on. So I started sweating immediately once I got off the plane here because it's been 80 degrees. But, hey, I'm here in West Palm Beach reporting from West Palm Beach. No, so that's great. I I am happy for you, Malik. You're not a bastard. So I take it back. (laughs) So uh, uh, but, you know, it is a little cruel because of the temperature (laughs) difference. So let me ask this, because I am known as the shallowest host on Sputnik. I always ask about food and weather and shallow stuff like that. Is this your first time at Mar-a-Lago? Have you ever been there before? No, this was actually my very first time at Mar-a-Lago. Okay, so the question is, and the shallow question is, how did you like it? Because I saw some guy... Criticizing, what do you think of Mar-a-Lago as a hotel resort? Well, see, the interesting thing about it is that because where the event itself was and because it was at night, I really didn't get to see like Mar-a-Lago. I saw some of the residences for sure, because, you know, there are people who are members of the Mar-a-Lago club who live on the property. But you really didn't get a chance to see a whole lot. The event where the. Um, the, the place where the event was in the banquet hall is, I guess, is one of the banquet halls. Um, it's very, 
it's very nice. If if you think of what's the um, the pictures of Trump when he had the penthouse in New York, just very kind of gold and kind of big, ornate sort of like chandeliers and gold trimmings and everything. But I thought that it was an impressive property itself. It's huge for sure. But because it was at night, you really didn't get to see what the property itself looked like. Well, you know, because I used to hang out at the Trump Hotel in D.C. And Trump likes French chandeliers and that kind of thing. You've noticed that perhaps. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The French influence. Oh, it's a beautiful property. It was at, well, the, the Trump Hotel in D.C. was the former post office, the old post office in D.C. And the what he did yes. to transform it into a hotel was remarkable. Yeah, it was great. And also, I've talked about it before, but he had great service. He hired good people for the hotel. And all the waitresses mm -hmm. at were great, just top class. And so yeah, I it was a, that yeah, it was a very nice one. It was a very, very nice hotel. The staff there were great. Um, you know, he couldn't get some of the restaurants that he wanted in there because they decided to bail out. But it was a great property in a great location, blocks away from the White House. And as you know now, the hotel is now the Waldorf Astoria. Right. Yeah. Which is again, I'm sure it's a nice property still, but uh, they were fantastic. And the best steakhouse in D.C. BLT was the best steakhouse in D.C. among stiff competition. Uh, the mm -hmm. capital grown in other places. But let me ask you this. How many people, you said it was at a ballroom. How many people did mm -hmm. that hold? How many people would you say were at the event? I would say definitely several, several hundred, maybe three, maybe about 300 or so. It, because the ballroom itself wasn't huge. And so it was a much scaled down event than what we've seen at previous Trump events with and Trump rally. So this was all of this was just in one room. So it wasn't and he was even smaller than some of your hotel ballrooms, um, even the Trump Hotel itself. I don't know if you had ever gone to any of the ballrooms or meeting rooms in the Trump Hotel in D.C., but it was the, the room was much smaller. So it was a much smaller intimate isn't the right word that I'm looking for, because, I mean, I don't know if you can say you have an intimate event with 300 people, but it was definitely much smaller than the rallies and everything that we've seen. Um, they had a stand up, you know, there were only limited seating, but, you know, plenty of people standing up and it was a great event. I will say that. Well, I'll, I'll give you an example. I was at the Trump 2020 announcement. Forgive me. The announcement he made in about running in 2020 and that uh, event was at the Civic Center in Orlando. So it was a a place where sports games are played. Thousands of mm. people were there. That was a big, big event, as big as any of his rallies. But it's interesting that he did this scale down. Now, uh, what was your overall impression? Obviously, with that number of people, they were very excited, right? So did you see yeah. anyone any, for instance, DeSantis supporters there? No, not at all. And in fact, as you're driving South Ocean, I believe it's South Ocean, South or North Ocean, I believe it's South Ocean, you saw people standing alongside the road with Trump flags and black, 
black voices for Trumps and blacks for Trump and Hispanics for Trumps. And you kind of saw all of this along the road. So it really did remind me of a campaign season, particularly back in 2016, when you just had so many people who were willing to get out in the street. And keep in mind, it was nine o'clock, you know, eight or nine o'clock at night and people were still, you know, in the streets waving their flags right outside the hotel. But the property itself is very secure. So you couldn't, your Uber driver couldn't drop you off on the property itself. You had to be dropped off across the street and then go through security to be escorted onto the property. But it's a you know very nice property. The event itself, as I said, was definitely much more scaled down. It is a, and, and it wasn't your typical um, Trump event. Um, it was a, maybe, you know, probably definitely an older crowd. Um, I walked into the room and as I said earlier on one of the shows that it, it's the room smelled like money, um, lots of money. And I believe many of the people um, were there, but I actually asked a couple of people as I was down there just to kind of get a taste, you know, a scene um, uh, for what, you know, what's on the ground. And surprisingly, a number of them who were actually from Florida, clearly not a single one of them was a Ron DeSantis supporter. They were all in for Trump. And I mean that I met people who were from Jupiter Island all the way to, you know, from Tallahassee, Florida, who were all in for Donald Trump. Now, did anyone tell you what they actually don't like about Ron DeSantis or is it mainly that he's not Donald Trump? Yeah, well, he said there there wasn't much discussion it was because in probably because it was a Trump event, they really didn't spend a lot of time focusing on Ron DeSantis. You didn't have anybody talking about Ron DeSantis. Just my personal opinion as someone who supports Donald Trump, you know, supported him in 2016 and plan to support him in 2024. I can say that the reason that I'm not a I don't dislike Ron DeSantis. My problem with Ron DeSantis is that he's being. Um, kind of thrown to us or, or, you know, shoved down our throat as the alternative to Donald Trump. So if you don't like Donald Trump's brashness, if you don't like the things that he says that sometimes are offensive in his off script nature, um, you know, arguing with, you know, picking fights with media and all of this type of stuff, if you don't like Donald Trump, then a lot of people now are saying, then you must like Ron DeSantis. And I reject that simply because I don't want Trump 2.0. I don't want Trump light. If I had to not vote for Donald Trump and I wanted something opposite from him, I would have to vote for a Nikki Haley or a Tim Scott. I think that Tim Scott should be Donald Trump's VP. I'll continue to say it until Donald Trump wins the primary and choose a VP. But for me, Ron DeSantis doesn't um, he doesn't fit the mold to me because I don't think that he's done anything as a governor, a Republican governor, that supersedes what other Republican governors all around the country are doing. I think he's now a conservative darling. And in many areas, I was watching Fox News and many of the other networks. He now seems to be a Fox News darling. But I'm not convinced that Ron DeSantis is a national candidate. Donald Trump is a national candidate. He had a national brand. But Ron DeSantis does not have that. He's pretty localized in Florida. So let me ask you about this. Do you think Santa's handling of the pandemic and handling of the pandemic set an example for the nation? What do you think about that, Malik? I don't think that Ron DeSantis's handling of the of COVID and the pandemic was anything different than every other Republican governor. The first Republican governor that we know that started pushing back 
against mandates was Christy Nome out of what is he South South Dakota? I think South Dakota. The governor yeah. Of South Dakota. yeah, was Christy Nome? If you look at what Greg Abbott did in Texas, if you look at even though Mike Dewine got some criticism because he did kind of um, I think maybe close some schools down in Florida, but Mike Dewine went on to win by double digits. Look at what Brian Kemp did right next door to Florida and Georgia. Brian Kemp didn't shut down the um, state. Brian Kemp had a big fight with MLB. Major League Baseball decided to move the All-Star game to um, Colorado. Brian Kemp was fighting with the media, the the, um, the voting rights bill, and many other, other things that were happening down there. I think what happened is, because Florida is, for one, very sunny state, it has a large um, retirement community, I think probably the largest percentage of senior citizens in the country. Um, beaches are there. Ron DeSantis became the 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 opposite of someone who we were saying at the time, like Andrew Cuomo. Andrew Cuomo was America's governor. He was the one who was doing everything right until we found out many of the stuff that he didn't do right. But Ron DeSantis ended up becoming the Republican foil to someone like an Andrew Cuomo. So Ron DeSantis was very irresponsible for keeping beaches open in Florida. Well, there aren't many states that have beaches. You have California and you have Florida. So there aren't many places that have those type of beaches. I just think that Ron DeSantis was in the right state at the right time, but I don't think that he set a standard as far as COVID response at all. I don't, I did not like, um, I, I'm a, I took the vaccine myself. I'm against vaccine mandates. I think that it should be optional for people. But what the one thing that I don't like about Ron DeSantis's COVID response is that he picked a lot of fights with school districts. And I think that school di- individual cities or you know locales should be able to do what they want to do without the hand of big government which is Ron DeSantis saying what you can and cannot do. I don't think that that was anything conservative about Ron DeSantis's position banning um, different cities for doing things that they felt were necessary to mitigate COVID. Now, since we're talking about COVID, Donald Trump actually made, I saw this, talk about what Donald Trump said about COVID, because he came out and said very clearly he opposes mandates and that he would overturn them if he was president. And this yeah, is so what, a yeah. bolder statement on this that I'd seen. What do you think of what Trump said about mandates? And yeah, how do so you think that played was, with the base? Yeah, so what Donald Trump did when he was in office and even now on last night Donald Trump has consistently been against mandate, and that is the de facto Republican position that Ron DeSantis also has. Um, Last night, what Donald Trump said was, is that if he became president, that he would immediately, one of the first things that he would do is to reinstate all of those work, um, whether, well, I mean, military, so either the military or federal government workers, because that's in his role as president in the federal government, that's all he can do, or head of the federal government. But he did say that he would reinstate all of those who were fired because they refused to take the COVID vaccine, which is interesting because, you know, the Supreme Court in New York recently just said that the state of New York had to reinstate um, those city employees who were fired 
because of the mandate. But I think that that's one of the things that Donald Trump actually gets right. Um, in addition to the vaccine itself, we don't talk about that enough. And for obvious reasons in, in the conservative space, talking about the vaccine, it's not a good thing. But one of Donald Trump's premier accomplishments is to be able to get a vaccine into production within a year. Um, within within the same year of the pandemic itself coming out. He doesn't talk about it enough because I don't think that um, his base, that's not something that his base wants to hear, but the vaccine that Joe Biden was touting and Democrats were touting, Donald Trump played a large role in his Operation Warp Speed. And I don't think that he gets enough credit for that because we're hearing, you know, typically it takes years for vaccines to get into production. Donald Trump did it in about eight months. Now, so let well, me I don't ask say you Donald this. Trump did it in about eight months. The Donald Trump, the effort that Donald Trump led, was it was done within eight months. So, Malik, you you're doing a great job as a Trump advocate. I, I must say, you're doing, I think, a better job than Trump because you've not insulted Ron DeSantis's name, right? <laughs> in in words, you didn't call him Ron DeSantis. Ron Sanctimonious. <laughs> no, I do not. <laughs> which I didn't even understand. Let me ask you this about the midterms in general. Some Republicans are saying that Lindsey Graham costs the Republicans the midterms because Lindsey Graham was pushing for a national abortion ban. And I think that was a political mistake, by the way. I don't think the country wants a national abortion ban. I think that federalism is fine. But Lindsey Graham came out for a national abortion ban. And some re Republicans, mind you, are saying they think it cost them six Senate seats. So do you think it was a good move on Lindsey Graham's part to push for a national abortion ban? Or should Republicans be happy with just Roe versus Wade being overturned and federalism ruling the day on abortion. What say you, Malik? It was a terrible idea for Lindsey Graham to do that. And I also think it's important to point out that Lindsey Graham introduces these type of, um, or Lindsey Graham does this quite frequently. It's not the first time that Lindsey Graham has announced that he wants to do a, nation, you know, a national ban on abortion. That's not the first time, but in the midst of a midterm election cycle, it was a very poor move. At this point, Republicans are just kind of pointing the guns at each other. Lindsey Graham, that's definitely a component of it. But you have other people like, um, you know, people are saying like Mitch McConnell, the comments that Mitch McConnell made. All of those things have played a part in it. But also, I think the biggest thing is not that the comments from Lindsey Graham led to you know, us losing six Senate seats. The problem is, is that we had bad candidates, not just bad candidates, but bad first time candidates. It's a difference when you've been in office before. I think we probably could have won the seat in Nevada. Adam Laxalt, he became, he came very close, but Blake Masters, Blake Masters was never really going to win against an incumbent senator in Arizona, Mark Kelly. Mark Kelly was an un, wasn't an unpopular um Senator. But, you know, I, I don't think that that's the same thing as what we're seeing in other places. Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker was just not a great candidate towards the end in that debate where he essentially the bar was set for so low for him that the only thing that he had to do was just 
lift up his foot and step across it. He did that well. But Herschel Walker himself, another first time candidate, wasn't a great candidate. And I think we have to start looking at those as well, because a lot of people, I believe, are saying, well, if Donald Trump did it, so can I. And running for office is just not that easy. You have to have a national profile or a brand to do it. And we're seeing that many people like a Carrie Lake out of Arizona. She's pitch perfect. She's pitch perfect. She's smart. She's attractive. She's very good with media. She's substantive. She has all of the trappings of a pitch perfect candidate. The thing I believe that hurt Carrie Lake is her willingness to toe the line when it comes to stolen elections. That's the only explanation that I can give for why Carrie Lake didn't win that race against Katie Hobbs, who refused to even debate her. I think that candidate quality also played a role in it as well. Well, yeah, and in some cases like Pennsylvania and Arizona, I think they have a horrible electorate. The people who vote there, they clearly vote for candidates who are, you know, Arizona elected John McCain over and over again, right. even though he was taking position against. He was, well, let's play a clip. I'm going to play a clip for you. This is Chuck Schumer, the leader of the Senate, talking about immigration. So, okay. So, I don't know if you've heard this yet, Malik, but this is Chuck Schumer talking about his plan for immigration. And listen to this. It's nuts. Hit it. Now more than ever, we're short of workers. Uh, we have a population that is not reproducing it on its own with the same level that it used to. The only way we're going to have a great future in America is if we welcome and embrace immigrants, the dreamers, and all of them, because our ultimate goal is to help the dreamers but get a path to citizenship for all 11 million or however many undocumented there are here. Now, does wow. it sound to you, it sounds to me like Chuck Schumer is promoting uh, the idea that uh, the birth rate is low among Americans. And so there will be a great replacement. It sounds like he's not using that phrase, but what he's talking about is replacing the citizens that aren't being born who are American with Mexican citizens. Is that what you're hearing too, Malik? Well, I, I didn't hear that clip until now, but it very much sounds like the replacement theory that Democrats and many others were um, accused of, were uh, criticizing just a few months ago because they said that Tucker Carlson was out there talking about the white replacement theory. Well, this actually gives the voice to Tucker's point, which essentially what he was saying is that they're trying to get a group of immigrants, um, Mexican-Americans and many others, Hispanic, to replace as a replacement of constituencies that are already here in America. I think that what what Schumer said is exactly that. And I don't understand his point about birth rates and all of this. So you need more people coming into the country because people in America, they aren't having enough babies. And so you need, you know, immigrants to come into the country for that. It, it really doesn't make any sense. But what it does prove is that the Democrats reliance on immigration 
um, and pushing those type of things because they use this as a mechanism to get the vote. But as we saw, and I'll give Ron, Ron DeSantis and Marco Rubio and many others their credit, as we saw in the state of Florida, we saw it in Texas, we saw it in Donald Trump in both 2016 and 2020, that the, the pitch that somehow Democrats are the party of immigration and come one, come all and open borders and this idea that Republicans and um, people Hispanic in the Hispanic community would recoil because Republicans want closed borders or safe borders. Well, we're actually seeing that in Schumer's remarks. I think that Donald Trump did well. Many people, many Republicans are doing well, but it seems as if the Hispanic community, they aren't necessarily buying the snake oil that people like Schumer himself is selling. This was a pitch to immigrants. This is a pitch to keep their vote. I don't think he's serious about anything at all. And in fact, if Chuck Schumer was so serious about this pathway to immigration, it's pretty interesting that having the White House and Congress, meaning the Senate and the House, that they actually didn't come up with anything to deal with the immigration crisis. And in fact, what they said was initially Joe Biden, Jen Psaki and many others were saying that there was no crisis at the border. So I think um, Schumer needs to kind of get get caught up on his own party's talking points. A great comment, Malik. And th the thing I also will point out is that this is a real issue if the Republicans approach it right for black voters, because the abortion rate is especially high among black Americans. And so if anyone's being replaced, I would say by the abortion policies, you, you see it in the black community. What do you say about that, Malik? Well, if you look around the country, it actually is true. And in several states, black women particularly are the not just the uh, represent a disproportionate number, but black women are the largest recipient of abortions in several states, definitely around the South. So it is it is an issue. Um, I don't think that it is. a. am not convinced that black Americans actually vote on the issue of abortion in comparison to maybe other groups, but it is a thing. And I think that the, the idea of, because I know many people make the argument that, you know, black people, you know, I, I, I've said many times before, if you consider the number of black babies that have been aborted over the past 20 years, um, I think that Chuck Schumer, if he wanted to really talk about replacement <laughs> or who's replacing what or whatever, we don't need other um, you know, people coming into the country to w increase our birth rates, we can actually limit the amount of abortions that we're having in the country. And if you're concerned about black people, that is something that you should be doing to try to reduce the number of abortions in the country as opposed to the free for all. I, I live in Washington, D.C. And in Washington, D.C., not only is it a free for all um, with abortion, it, it is in a they've documented themselves, they see it themselves as an abortion sanctuary. And in the state of D.C., any child, any young girl as young as 12 years old can get an abortion in D.C. without parental consent. So that lets and, you know what the Democratic Party is up to. Yeah, and you're exactly right, Malik. Now, I was offended by a statement Trump made last night. So let's play 
this statement on Poland again. Hit it. And even the Democrats admit that. And that's something I've seen them admit over and over again. But our enemies are speaking of us with scorn and laughter and derision because of those two events. But there are many more. Even just today, a missile was sent in probably by Russia to Poland, 50 miles into Poland. And people are going absolutely wild and crazy and they're not happy they are very very angry now we have a president who falls asleep at global conferences now we know that that is what trump said is not true it was not sent in by russia even the u.s is not saying it so do you understand i i don't think trump had to say a damn thing about what happened in Poland. And now the truth is, America made a false claim that Russia was behind that. And now they're admitting the truth. So I was bothered by the fact that Trump even brought that up. What say you, Malik? I think it was probably, yeah, I think it was probably Donald Trump trying to you know, get him, get him, get in on the national discussion. Obviously, Donald Trump was not alone because you had our U.S. government pretty much saying that it was Russia. They bought what um, Poland said. They bought what Ukraine said. Um, but one of the things that I actually appreciated about Donald Trump is when he was talking about one of the things that he wanted to do as president, not only, you know, the, getting our respect back our around the world, but he specifically mentioned the amount of money, the billions that we continue to send to Ukraine. And so he talked about how that would look under his administration. And I do believe that the, a Donald Trump administration, I don't think that they would cut off all money for from even though that's the Congress's job, but I don't think he would push for cutting off all funding to Ukraine. But I think it's an important point that he made about asking questions to ensure why are why are we sending as much money as we are? I think that there will be some pullback to some degree of that. But I think that Donald Trump was on point when specifically talking about Ukraine. But yes, he he did um, basically repeat what all other outlets were saying about Russia. And then we wake up today and we see that not only was that not true that it came from um that it that it wasn't uh, from russia but you see i was watching general one of the generals or something when they were talking about it today they even said no it wasn't russia's fault russia didn't do this but this was because of russia <laughs> you know so yes. they still blame and russia even though russia Ukraine. didn't do it malik abdul right. great appearance as always, enjoy the sun. It tees what uh, is very cruel to a person who's in freezing weather. Malik Abdul, great appearance and great advocacy for Donald Trump, I gotta say. We'll be just back with more on the backstory. Empire of Lies for the second hour of a Wednesday edition of the show that brings you the truth behind the headlines. This is the backstory. 
So, Rod, what did you think? I, I meant what I said, too. Malik is a great advocate for Donald Trump. He's the kind of guy you'd like to see as a spokesman for Donald Trump. Do you agree with that, Rod? Uh, yeah, no, I think he definitely, uh, definitely a great advocate for Donald Trump. I think he had you a little stump for a little bit of because because he, he did make a good point. You know, Christy Noem was the first and other things, but uh, Ron DeSantis does get a lot of the credit for it. And that, that's somewhat iffy on Christy Noem. I, I know a bit about that. It's somewhat iffy because Christy was actually she signed a. a, a I forget if it was a bill or just an executive order that would have let cities shut down, but the legislature stopped her. So that's what's not known widely about Christy Nome. But let me point out, the guest this hour will be the great Daniel Czar, and we'll talk more about the midterms and take your calls, 202-521-1320, on The Backstory. Now, Rod, let me uh, answer one thing Malik was saying, because I think he did a good job of advocating for Trump. But I give no credit to the fact that Trump was repeating what everyone else was saying. I expect Donald Trump, especially and specifically to when he hears the media say something, not just accept it at face value. Does it make sense, Rod? Donald Trump, more than any other person in the country, I would argue, should not accept what the media says at face value on a damn thing, on anything. Donald Trump knows the media lies over and over. And this is what this was. This was a media lie. It was a media false flag. And if he wants to be president, I don't want him as president. Well, I was fooled at first. Not at this point. Trump, not at this point. You have no excuse for buying. Oh, well, the Washington Post reported that should be your reason for not believing him. You see what I'm saying, Rod? Yeah, yeah, for sure, Lee. And um, this this is the thing you were talking about with Jason yesterday about people who still watch CNN, MSNBC. Donald Trump has CNN on all the time. You know, we it's documented when he was in the White House. Uh, you know, MSNBC, and he reads the papers. This is this is the thing. He he doesn't uh, digest other alternative media or other sources. He, his main diet is the mainstream media, and that's what he criticizes, and that's what he, you know, he watches the fake news that he talks about. No, so but but my thing is even even if he doesn't criticize something because he's on alternative media, Trump should immediately be skeptical. His I'll put it like this: if you're lied to a hundred times by someone. You should start to take the things that they say skeptically. Does it make sense? Yeah, no, I agree. I agree, Lee. That's one. You know, I'm, uh, that's one of his uh, minuses. You know, uh, his negatives is that he, that he just takes at face value. And in particular, on the issue of national security. And think about this. I want you to ponder for a second. It, they were. This is as close as we've gotten to a provocation to nuclear war. If in fact, Russia had launched a missile and it hit Poland, even accidentally. They would have used it to justify Article 5 and NATO. That's what they were talking about openly. So this is a very dangerous situation. And let me ask a question about this missile in general. 
because I don't, maybe I'm dumb. I'm admittedly dumb. But I do not understand how a missile hit Poland. How would an air defense missile from, fired from Ukraine hit Poland if they're trying to defend against Russian missiles? Because it seems to me Russia's going to launch a missile from Russian territory, right? And Poland is not Russian territory. So why was a Ukrainian missile over Poland anyway? It makes no sense to me. Rod, am I missing something on the trajectory, on the geometry of this? No, that, that's a that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> people don't take into account. Uh, you know, most people don't even know how to. You know, uh, most countries on a map. So, um, you know, they would think that something like this must be like, oh, you know, I, I, you know, uh, if you ever see that, like Jay Leno used to have talking to people on the sidewalk, Lee, and he would ask them just simple questions. Most, you know, most walking, yeah, 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 yeah. Most people just embarrass themselves. You know, we're talking about somewhere so far away that you know, it just people can't even comprehend it. Most of them. And also, I'd like to, since you brought up Leno, I'm going to mention he was injured in a gasoline fire recently. And so we wish you, Jay Leno, well. From my dealings with Jay, which were, you know, I used to see him every day at work when I worked at Access Hollywood. And Jay Leno is a very nice guy. And so I wish Jay Leno well, because he was always very nice to me. And he didn't have to be, you know. I was just a guy who worked there, but he was always, and the people who Jay employed, his writers, I used to talk to them all the time. They loved Jay Leno. Yeah, I heard he helped so, out a lot of uh, comics on their up and coming, when they were up and coming, he helped a lot of uh, comics come on there and do their, you know, do their set. Yes, and, and he was, you know, he came in one day with a brand new Mustang, and I knew it was because I like Mustangs. So he came in with a Mustang that was not going to be released for six months. Does that make sense? It had been in magazines as a prototype Mustang, but he had one because he's Jay Leno. So I approached him and I said, so what do you think? And he didn't say, get out of here, peon. He but talked he likes, to me. He likes talking about cars. He's got like 300 cars, 400, something like that, a whole warehouse. He used to, at work, he used to wear the same shirt every day, but drive a different car every day. So that tells you something. Yeah, a lot of money right there. <laughs> and, and not much, but not much of a shirt budget. So, uh, but uh, getting back to this Poland and Ukraine thing, I do not understand if you're firing missiles from let's say Nevada into California, okay? So picture that, and you hit Idaho. I don't understand that for a second. Why would firing from Nevada to California, Idaho be in the trajectory at all? This is why I don't understand. It's the climate change. Like a strong wind came. So yeah, maybe, maybe it's climate change in in Poland, and also Jack Posobiec. He was out saying yesterday. Did you see his statement? He's saying, you know, it needs to be repaid in blood. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did see that, Lee, and I was just like, oh my god. Is he going to take blood out of Ukraine now? So now the U.S. is saying Zelensky. Played, uh, maybe it's, maybe he'll go after Zelensky. We played it before. The U.S. is now saying it was an accident by Ukraine, 
And the other thing to look into, and I've not run this down yet, these missiles have a range. Ray Rod, you know, they can go 100 miles or whatever. So if you look at the range of this missile that landed in Poland, it also, the U.S. story that this is an accidental uh, hit makes no sense. Because that missile at that range, Poland is not on its way to anything. So if anyone's got an explanation, I don't see it. I think this is a deliberate false flag attempt. And it was leaked to media, as we pointed out yesterday, first. And it was trying to drive. And also, the other thing, we, we talked about it a little bit yesterday. But after the show ended, the thing that came out is that they're asking Congress for $37 billion. And that explained it to me. I'd say this false flag was to get money for Ukraine and making it so no one could question it. So if Marjorie Taylor Greene said, we need to audit that money, they can go, oh, no, but Russia's attacking Poland. How dare you? Are you a Putin puppet? Do you see what I'm saying, Rod? I think the leaking of the false information that Russia had attacked Poland was to secure funding for Ukraine and make sure there was no opposition from people like Thomas Massey or Roger Taylor Green. Do you agree with me, Rod? Yeah, that makes sense as time goes. And then, you know, as time goes and these connections, these uh, these dots get connected, the media is just going to look past it and move on to the next crisis or whatever, you know, uh, you know, go get back to the uh, politics of, uh, of the domestic here between Republicans and uh, Democrats or the infighting. You know, you can see you can see what what the uh, the cycle of news is going to be. And what it's not going to be, it's not going to be FTX. And I've been looking into that more. And the more I look into this, the more I see the major political scandal that is currently being covered up. So let's go to the FTX balance sheet clip, Command Central, the FTX balance sheet. So let's play that. Hit it. Balance sheet of FTX is a line called Trump Lose. And Sam was the second biggest donor to Democratic candidates. I'm going to leave it to everybody else to draw their own conclusions about what you're saying here. Right? Those are, those are really, really ugly facts when you see a fraud of this magnitude having played out and you find no regulators were there to prevent it. That's a really, really tough story. We could talk for quite a while about FTX. Sadly, we don't have it. Now, so... Let's next go to the Hunter Biden clip about FTX. This is a major story. And it's obvious to me that it is money laundering because money went to Ukraine from the Biden administration, billions of dollars in unaudited money. And did you see them? Marjorie Taylor Greene has called for an audit. Have you seen the attacks on her? Yeah, no, but I, you know, from from my uh, the people I follow on Twitter, the the, the crypto people are actually supporting her because they they want this fraud exposed. You know, a lot of crypto people are upset that this is making uh, cryptocurrency look really really bad, and it's also affecting the price of Bitcoin for, <clears throat> at least for the moment. And that may be part of the reason behind it. I was talking to my son Shane, the former co-host of the show Fall Lines here on Radio Sputnik, and he's been following this, and he says. 
He knows a lot of people in that crypto community. You're exactly right. It does make crypto look bad. And maybe as large institutions are starting to get into crypto, it's trying to make crypto look bad ahead of the move of institutions into pseudo crypto. But let's play Hunter Biden's connection. Uh, as I say, the money laundering is obvious. Money went to Ukraine, then Ukraine invested in FTX, then FTX gave money. He was the second biggest donor. And let's point out, Ukraine is connected to the two biggest donors, this guy Sam and George Soros, to the Democrats. And why any Republican would defend Ukraine is beyond me. But it's not really beyond me, because they're on the same page as the Democrats, ultimately. Let's play this other clip about Hunter Biden's connection to FTX. Hit it. Donald, going off of the FTX thing, um, the former CEO of FTX, Sam Bankman, was the second largest donor to Democrats this cycle. So, Hunter, I was wondering if, you know, you had any insights to what was going on there. I don't think we want to get into <laughs> politics with this call. I think yeah, so, that a lot yeah, of business so. leaders in FTX, I think they give to both parties. They're trying to get influence. They're yes, they do. Pass bills, but they so perhaps they gave to both parties. But as they pointed out before, they had a loose Trump fund, and also they're the second biggest donor to the Democrats. So I've not run down. Have you seen the numbers on what FTX gave to GOP candidates, Rod? No, I haven't. I haven't seen that number yet. I got a big guess. It's nowhere near forty million. No, and I think it's four hundred million, right? Or am I wrong? No, like I said, it's forty million, right? Yeah, but my guess is it's nowhere near. And sometimes they give token money. They give you know a thousand dollars or something like that, so they can say. We gave to both Republicans and Democrats. But and let me also point out that coming after the midterms, FTX was, I think, partially responsible for Fetterman winning in Pennsylvania. They gave a lot of money to Fetterman. Right. So if stolen money is used to fund an election, someone's saying in that clip, we don't want to get into politics. Well, we do. As a backstory, we will get into politics because they're not inconsequential. They're major. Yeah, do you agree, Rod? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Lee, that was a, a Twitter space, and Hunter Biden was in the Twitter space. But I didn't even know he had a Twitter, and people found out about it, and he deleted it in the last 24 hours, the last 12 hours or so. So, But yeah, that was a Twitter space, and that was a young man asking him that question about FTX. Wait, I could have talked to Hunter Biden. Yeah, yeah, you could have. You missed it. Oh, yeah. No, So someone let me know when that's going on, because I'm on Twitter all the time. If I'd seen that, you bet I would have been in a Twitter space. And I would have tried to come up with a good question. Let me ask you, Rod. If you had a chance and you're trying to ask a good question, not snark, not make fun of him, you know, asking a question about crack wars or something is fun, but... It's not the best use of our time. If you could ask Hunter Biden any question, what would you ask him, 
Rod from Philly, our great producer, what would you say? That's a tough one, uh, Lee. I guess I would say, um, I guess I would ask him, you know, how was it in these meetings with these Ukrainian oil companies? Like, how, tell, can you give me, you know, a recap of like when they're speaking to you and, and, and how you understand Ukrainian? And can you say, how, you know, this pretty much can you start speaking Ukrainian right, right now? Uh, and how you would speak in these meetings with these oil companies. That would be my question. And so let me point out something. When Republicans vote for budget to go to Ukraine, billions of dollars unchecked, unaudited, unsupervised, they are traitors. When Republicans give that money to Ukraine, they're effectively sending it to Democrats. Is that harsh or is it accurate? According to math, Rod. No, that's that's accurately. Um, you know, the Republican Party is so weak on this. Uh, you know, you only Lauren Barbert, um, you know, Thomas Massey and Taylor Green, and a few people uh, who most of the most people, pretty much most people who come on Tucker are the only people who are, uh, you know, talking 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 about this. But if they point out the facts that on this FTX thing, it's clear FTX got money from Ukraine, and then FTX gave money to the Democrats. There's no doubt about those two facts. And if I give you a hundred bucks, okay, and then you use that money to pay a hitman to go after one of my enemies, it's obvious what I'm doing, right? Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, uh, Sam is uh, reportedly getting extradited from Bahamas back to the U.S., but is he going to be under the Epstein protection now, Lee? Because, you know, Republicans are going to take the House. They can have him testify. You know, he probably just plead the fifth uh, the whole time. But, you know, it, it has to be, you know, this, he's not he didn't come up with this himself. He's only, you know, he just, he's, he's going to turn 31 in March. So I don't think he's smart enough. You know what I mean? To come up with all this. So who put him up to it? Right. Exactly. There's some kind of plan going on here that's beyond his capabilities. Now, let me ask a question that I've only seen a couple of people ask about this recent G20 meeting. We played the clip with Klaus Schwab from the WEF yesterday. But let me ask a question about that, Rod. Why the hell is Klaus Schwab at the G20? Did you know that the G20 is a meeting of world leaders who are elected, right? That's what the G20 is. It's the leaders of nations. So I would ask the same question, you know, if uh, Jay Leno were speaking at the G20, I would say, why was Jay there? He's not a world leader. So in the same way, why was Klaus Schwab there? He's, he's the leader of the universe, Lee. You didn't know that. But officially, is there any explanation officially? You see what I'm asking, Rod? He's like a global consultant. Uh, if you look at it, he's like a global consultant to these world leaders. That's how he's presented. You know, he consults on climate change and, uh, you know, social justice now and things like that. So he's like a, he's like a giant consultant. And I would say what, what actually is being demonstrated there is who's really in charge, right? I say Klaus Schwab is setting the agenda for these national leaders, and that's why they're doing things that are not in their best interests over and over again. We're seeing this all throughout the EU. And let's play the clip about uh, Justin Trudeau. 
And what he thinks of President Xi from China. So let's hit that one. Hit it. Everything we discuss is So, Rod, why don't you summarize Justin Trudeau's point there? And by the way, Justin Trudeau is officially a Klaus Schwab accolade. He is one of the people who is 100 percent behind everything Schwab wants. Correct. And she is not. So what, what say you, Rod? Yeah, hundred percent, Lee. This clip was just funny because G, uh, G, and his translator were telling uh, Trudeau that they don't like when they have meetings that he goes immediately to the media and tells them what they spoke about, and uh, you know he's put him in his place. Like, look, you know, if we're going to have deals, you know, you got to keep it quiet. And then obviously you saw Trudeau try to try to hold his place, but he looked like he was about to cry. Like he was about to run off to the corner and about to cry. And so it was fine. Z, and Z was just looking. He was. He wouldn't even look him in the eye. He'd look him in the eye for like a second or two. So he was kind of like uh, he was sunning him. Lee. He was like pretty much like, listen, I got to put you in your place right now. Don't make me take my belt off. No, and and I should point out that Putin's refusal to go to this G20 has proven to be. Why would you go to to an event where all the people are lying about you? And I'll say that the Polish false flag is amazing. I think that. It only lasted a day because there were pictures. Do you agree? Did you see what Kim.com said? No, I didn't see what Kim said about it. Kim.com basically said, say goodbye to the photographer. Because there were photos from Poland that showed, right? That's, that a, sick, showed, that's a sick truth. Yeah, it's a sick truth in that. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I think this would have lasted more than a day if there had been no photos. I think the photo meant they couldn't. And also, Polish media was reporting people on the ground said the missile was coming from Ukraine. Now, again, I don't see any way a Ukrainian missile accidentally hit Poland because it's not on the way. Lee, what do you what do you think uh, Poland's going to do in response? Because, you know, you think they're just going to take this like, you know, this is what we have to, you know, we have to accept this. Yes. And. It's unfortunate, but look, how has Germany dealt with the Nord Stream 2 bombing? That hurts the German people. It costs Germany money. And if you're at a conference where they're dealing with climate issues, the bombing of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline was a huge environmental disaster. But no one says anything. Germany doesn't say anything. So Germany is a good little dog for the WF and the New World Order. Do you agree, Rod? Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, it, you know, it's a shame. Uh, the German people have uh, been so domesticated to just take this. But, I mean, so it's also also here in America. We, you know, we're feeling it, but hopefully we can rise up and, uh, 
you know, overthrow people like Klaus Schwab from having influence here in America. And uh, so I think you're going to see Poland say nothing ultimately. And I predicted this last night. I said what they'll do is they won't fully admit that it was Ukraine that launched it. And they're still not they're admitting it, but they're not fully admitting it. They're not saying we know it was Ukraine. Because let me ask this, Rod. How the hell do they not know? With with all the satellites that we have. Uh, Lee, I keep I keep repeating. They keep trying to make it seem like we're still in the 1950s and you got to listen to the radio. There's only three channels. You know, the, <laughs> we have all this technology, all this advanced technology stuff. We don't even get to see military-wise. Uh, military and they just want you to believe that, you know, oh, we, we didn't know. Because my point is a satellite would see where the missile came from. Does that make sense? We have a lot of satellites, and they're monitoring the situation in Ukraine and by Poland. The U.S. absolutely knows that this is a Ukrainian missile, but they won't come out and admit that. They say, well, it's ultimately Russia's fault, and we don't really know, right? And so that's why the comments about JFK and 9-11, because they just say, well, we don't know who really assassinated JFK. It could be the CIA, but we don't know for sure. Well, you don't know for sure. Some of us do. So let's take a short break. And Daniel's on, right, Command Central? Let's take a short break and talk about some of these issues with the great Daniel Czar right after this break on The Backstory. Backstory and on 105.5 FM AM 1390 in Washington, D.C. Joining us now, a good friend of the show and a great writer, Daniel Zarr. Hey, Daniel, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm doing fine. So let me ask you, have you ever seen a false flag crumble so quickly as this Polish false flag did? And while you're talking about that, is there reason to expect the U.S. of a false spike here, given that I think every war I can think of recently was started with a false flag attack. Is that accurate, Daniel? Well, a lot of wars are start, have been started with a false flag attack. Yeah, there's, there's no question about that. Um, uh, and, um, uh, it, it, no, it's, it's, it seems clear. But one thing that comes, comes across loud and clear is that the Ukraine is desperate. To, to draw NATO deeper into the war. So, so NATO, so whether or not the Ukraine, you know, fired this missile on purpose or it was shooting at what it thought was a Russian plane and the, and the, and the missile then over straight, you know, straight over the border, I, I don't think it's really quite clear yet, but clearly once the, the missile hit that village in Eastern Poland, um, the, uh, the Ukrainian government uh, trumpeted, you know, trumpeted the news to, you know, to the entire world that Russia was guilty, that it was an attack on a NATO nation, and that NATO should invoke the famous Article 5, which requires the entire alliance to, to come to the defense of any single, you know, member who comes uh, under attack by a foreign power. 
So, so clearly the Ukraine wants to widen this war. Clearly the Ukraine is desperate to bring NATO into it. So, you know, so whether they just uh, decided to take advantage of, a, of an accident or what, or I don't know, but clearly this is a, a very strange operation which really sheds light on what's really going on uh, in Kiev. Now, what's going on in Washington, though? Because I think after the midterms, and we'll talk about those, after the midterms, this is a pivotal moment for the GOP to see if they have any backbone whatsoever, because they've now proposed, not they, but the Biden administration's proposed $37 billion in new funding. And if the GOP has any spine whatsoever, someone will step up and go, <laughs> what was this false attack about? But I'm not, you know, I, I, I don't put a lot of faith in the GOP will show any backbone. So do you think that anything's really changed after the midterms, Daniel? Yeah, I think I think the GOP is in, is, is in, is in hot water. I think it's in really a big. First of all, the, the Democrats are are much stronger now than they were a week or two ago. That's that, that's un, that's unquestionable. And the other thing is that the Republicans are much weaker. I mean, they're they're internally divided. Uh, they they really underperformed in the, in the midterms. All the election deniers were shot down. Uh, so the party is uh, the party's in trouble. It has uh, it has serious internal divisions and we'll see what happens. And, and Trump, you know, Trump is out to, you know, to, to reestablish his leadership. And it'll be really fascinating to see how this plays out. So I'm going to attempt to do an impression of a GOP consultant. This is a thinking. They're going to say now is not the time to question Ukraine funding because the, the GOP did have an underwhelming result in the midterms. And if Marjorie Taylor Greene or Lone Barbert or Thomas Massey question the Ukrainian funding, the Democrats will attack them for being Putin puppets. Now, that is undoubtedly what they will say. Do you agree, Daniel? I, I totally agree. That is what a, a classic political consultant would tell the, uh, the GOP. He would tell them, tack to the center, behave in a, quote, responsible way. You know, don't challenge the administration on this on this point. You know, go along with the appropriation. So that's what a a professional consultant would tell them. But professional consultants are, aren't always right. They're sometimes wrong. Uh, I, I, I agree with you that, that I doubt the GOP has the spine, the backbone to buck Biden on this issue. Um, but, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, if things get really hairy in the Ukraine, the GOP is going to wind up looking like fools for going along with the administration's uh, policy in that part of the world. And Trump will look better. Now, you're no fan of Republicans. Is that fair to say, Daniel? That is fair to say. OK, so given that, isn't it weird? Do you see this, that the most independent politicians are people like Thomas Massey, and Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert are the people that are called the extreme right wing Republicans. Are you so, do you agree that they are the most independent, the most willing to question their own party's narrative? Daniel, what say you? Oh, oh yeah, totally. I totally agree. Uh, look at look. We have we have two parties in this country. One's a party of fascism. The other's a party of war. So you know. So who are you going to go with? 
I mean, uh, you have you have Trump, who was like, you know, who was a uh, who was moving to to an ever more explicitly anti-democratic direction, and you have Biden, who was behaving in an ever more provocative way towards uh, towards Russia and China. So you so you're you're caught between a rock and the hard place. Uh, the system is, you know, veering out of control, and 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 Biden is behaving in a very dangerous way. For the moment, Biden's Biden is in a good place. I mean, for the moment, he just sort of he just kind kind of sort of won an election. He certainly didn't do nearly as badly as people thought he would. Uh, the war in Ukraine, from, the, from a U.S. point of view, is not going badly, uh, and and nuclear war hasn't broken out in the uh, in the Western Pacific. So, so, so Biden is doing is doing okay, but you know that could change tomorrow, uh, and uh, and if it does, we're all in big trouble. No, and so yeah, I agree with you completely there, and I think this incident also shows that, you know, when they thought it was Russia, it was Article Five, but now that they know it's Ukraine, it was an accident, and it's actually. Have you seen the U.S. and others say? Well, this is actually Russia's fault. Have you seen that line? Well, I'm sure that the, the, the Washington is happy to blame everything on Russia. I mean, if a sparrow falls in a forest, then, then, then Vladimir Putin is somehow to blame. There's no question about that. But in this case, it's really hard to blame it on Russia because, you know, it was a, it was a Ukrainian missile. So, uh, so you know... It just simply is not Vladimir Putin's fault. So now, now I'll agree with you that the Democrats are in a stronger position seemingly now. But I would argue that the Democrats, because of their, I'll call it a victory, because of their ferric victory, I'm, I might call it, in the midterms, they're going to get arrogant and they're going to think that they're more popular than they are. I do not actually think the fundamentals have changed. I think fundamentally the Democrats and the Biden administration have done nothing for citizens except raise prices and make everybody putting in more danger of nuclear war. Do you think that the Democrats are going to respond arrogantly and this might actually cost them a victory in 2024? What say you, Daniel? I, I can't. I can't make predictions, but yeah, I think the I think the the, the odds of of uh, of Joe Biden screwing up in some major way are are certainly high, and certainly that the self confidence he has as a result of the election is uh, is going to make it more likely he trips up rather than less. Uh, you know, but we'll see what happens. You know, I mean, so many of these events are are beyond Biden's uh, control. We have no idea what the economy will do. I mean, if the economy crashes tomorrow, then that's great news for Trump. Uh, you know, with, you know, the war in the Ukraine may may just continue at the same pace, with the uh, Ukrainian government making a uh, making uh, increasing advances and Russia pulling back. And if that happens, that's great news for Biden also. So you know, so we'll see what happens, and and you know, and maybe and maybe things will remain under control. Uh, in the Western Pacific, that's certainly possible. Xi Jinping is a uh, is a very cautious guy, a very crazy, a very a very careful guy. He's not going to do anything crazy. So you know, so maybe maybe the, the 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 lid will remain on the pot 
there as well. If so, then you know the Biden is you know maybe able to scrape through the next couple of years without getting himself in serious trouble. But you know we we can't predict these things. Uh, and if things go go haywire for him, then then things could go well for the Republicans and their their poor performance last week may be forgotten and they could emerge from the whole disaster actually stronger. And my argument that I've made before is that the Republicans did not have a positive agenda in the midterms. They did not have, they pointed out problems. So they pointed out the crime and the economy, but they did not provide a coherent solution to people. What do you think of that argument, Daniel? I agree, but I agree, but they were killed on, they were killed by two things, abortion and January 6th. I mean, the, the elections were the election was a, a clear repudiation of the Republican stance in both categories. I mean, abortion is going to kill the Republicans. The, the polls show 60 plus percent of Americans favoring abortion rights. So the Republicans have clearly put themselves on the wrong side of that issue. And I think Americans were were clearly you know, appalled by the uh, by June's uh, Dobbs decision by the Supreme Court because it's such a nakedly dictatorial, you know, act that it just like you know really sort of kind of scares and angers uh, the majority of the population. And the Republicans are on the wrong side of that. And then there's January sixth. I mean, did you notice in Trump's speech last night he didn't mention he didn't say the word stolen election once. He's trying to move beyond that because he knows that no longer plays in the campaign trail. But all that means is the Democrats will remind him of it at every conceivable opportunity. So Trump has gotten gotten himself into a real hole. So the only his only hope is as if the is if the Democrats screw up in some really major way that leaves the electorate no choice but to stampede to the Republican Republican uh, side. And again, but Trump has to make that case because I pointed out, as long as he's been doing it since the election, that Trump focusing on the voter situation and claiming voter fraud that he can't prove. The problem is he might be right, but he can't prove it. But what he can prove is that the media covered up the story about the Biden laptop that apparently shows Biden corruption on the laptop, the media and Biden clearly lied about that. So I would say by focusing on voter fraud, what he claims is voter fraud, but he can't prove, he gave up his single biggest weapon, his single biggest weapon against Biden that everybody agrees, that the New York Times and the Post agree, the Biden laptop is real. And the Biden laptop shows evidence of corruption, kickbacks to Biden, apparently, and no one's looking into that. Do you agree with that, Daniel? Well, I don't know about kickbacks, but but the, but, the, but certainly the uh, Hunter Biden had talked about money for the big guy. So, uh, so there's no doubt that Biden was part of the deal. You know, I mean, I, no, I, I agree. The, the 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 laptop, the whole the whole laptop episode was one of the strangest and most bizarre you know, events, happenings in American politics in recent years. There's only, it, the only thing that was stranger was Russiagate. That was another Democratic, you know, you know, uh, 
you know, mess up. Um, so, uh, so yeah. So, I mean, I think that they, you're right. The Democrats are really vulnerable at that, but you know, but that still leaves January 6th. And that is, that is Trump's great area of vulnerability. Listen, you can't run, you can't win, win an election by running against elections. That's the problem. You know, I mean, I mean, six of the seven of Trump's handpicked election denying secretary of state candidates, six out of six out of the seven lost. That is an incredible repudiation of the uh, of the whole election denial stance. And voters won't vote for for people who want to overturn elections. So that's that. So so Trump has painted himself into into a corner. And I just don't see any simple way out for the guy. And the Democrats, you know, if they have half a brain cell left, and they probably do, you know, we'll we'll just hit him with this mercilessly. So I think what we'll see, and what we'll see in um in in Congress in January is that the Senate will launch yet another investigation into January sixth, and the House will launch an investigation into the laptops. So we'll have dual investigations. The New York Times is already speculating about, about this possibility. So I think we'll have like you know, two investigations going on simultaneously. And, uh, and it'll be even more of a circus than it usually is. Now, and I think the Republicans could launch their own January 6th investigation. We saw in the last couple of days, you, have you seen this, that they're now talking about how there are 20 at least FBI agents at January 6th. And the people like Chris Ray refusing to answer questions about how many FBI people were there and whether any of them were undercover in the Capitol. So are you seeing these stories start to trickle out, Daniel? Well, yeah, the, the Republicans could do that. And it would be like, you know, it would be sort of a, a fruitful area of inquiry. But the, the problem with Republicans is the more they do it, the more they remind voters of their own role in January 6th. And the election showed that the voters don't approve of January 6th. You can't win elections by, by running against elections. And you can't win, a, win an election, you know, by, you know, by bragging that you helped you try to overturn an election in 2020. It's just not going to work of 2021. It's just not going to work. So they have painted themselves into a corner and there's no clear, clear way out. Um, so I so, and if I were the Republicans, if I was this conventional, you know, political consultant that you talk about, I would say like, no, just shut up about January 6th, shut up about federal agents, move on, concentrate on inflation, concentrate on the, you know, on the war in, in, uh, in the Ukraine, if anything really goes bad there, um, and just try to forget about this, this past episode, because the public is not on your side when it comes to, comes to this issue. Now, Daniel, forgetting the optics, forgetting the politics of it for a second, are you personally concerned that so many FBI agents we're at January 6th. And what do you think they were doing? Uh, yes, I am personally concerned. I'm personally concerned about everything the FBI does, because I think the FBI's record uh, when it comes to things like this is miserable. Uh, I think the, 
the, you know, the, the liberal embrace of the FBI and CIA that we saw during Russiagate is just the height of absurdity. So, yeah, I am concerned. Um, and, yeah, FBI spying bothers me a great deal. So, uh, so, so that is certainly true. But, you know, but as I said, you know, this, this, this entire affair is now toxic for the GOP. So the, I, I think if they have any sense, they'll stay away from it. Anyway, and it's a, it's a shame, too, because because they had been doing fairly well. I mean, they had they actually kind of did fairly well when it came to Russiagate. I mean, they really sort of pointed up the absurdities of the Democratic Party position. Um, but they're going to have a much harder time now that January 6th is uh, is still fresh in the memory of the uh, of the electorate. Now, are you concerned that because uh, I, I, I would make this case that the Democrats and the Republicans are both fundamentally weak and confused and they don't have a positive agenda, neither one of them, and that America is facing a profound political crisis when, you know, neither party is doing well. What say you, Daniel? Yeah, I mean, as, 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 as I've said before, I think the entire system is falling apart. I mean, American government just is is not working, and it hasn't worked for thirty years. That's incredible. So, uh, you know, so uh, and and people are really, really upset at the and the and the and the and the more the machinery of of government breaks down, the more frustrated Americans get, and the more and the angrier they get, and the more poisonous the atmosphere in Washington uh, D.C. becomes. But the, the, so the problem is the mechanical breakdown, and that is simply unfixable under present circumstances. Now, also, are, how concerned are you about uh, freedom of speech? How concerned are you about the government working with tech companies and censoring stories like the Hunter Biden laptop? Because I consider that a major issue. But I'm curious about someone with a different political per- perspective, how you view it. Daniel? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, the, the, the laptop thing was incredible. Was it 50, 50 intelligence officials took out a full-page newspaper ad to, to, to label that the, the, the laptop a, uh, a, a, a Russian intelligence operation? That was astonishing, and it obviously wasn't. I mean, the, the obvious fact, it was obvious in the beginning, is that, this, is that Hunter was so coked out that he took his laptops to a repair shop. He probably spilled beer or, or tequila on them, you know, and then was like was so zonked that he forgot to pick them up. And after several months went by, the, the repair shop owner checked the contents, called the FBI. The FBI didn't even come around for six months and then and then leaked the news to the uh, to the uh, the Murdoch press. And they then they published it. And then suddenly 50 ex-intelligence officials denounced the whole thing as a, re, as a Russian operation. It was, it was absurd. It was a gross interference with, uh, with, with free speech because, you know, because the New York Post had its, had its Twitter account suspended for, I think it was two weeks. And it amounted to election interference because the, the, the uh, laptop story was important. Uh, you know, it was, uh, it was relevant to uh, to what voters were thinking about at the time, it was important information that they should have been able to to weigh and sift. Um, 
but uh, but they were denied the opportunity because the whole story was shut down. And uh, you know, so so therefore, you know, I I don't know if Biden gained votes as a as a, as a consequence, but he surely is. It's surely possible that he did. And so, therefore, that strikes me as clear election interference. It should never happen again. Now, by the way, about something you mentioned, we're getting breaking news. Then unnamed stage official said it was not beer or tequila that spilled on Biden's laptop, <laughs> but it was in fact Russian vodka. So an unnamed stage. <laughs> so I don't know if you heard that thing I just made up, but uh, okay, uh, no, I'm, I'm sure it's true. I'm sure it's true. I have no doubt. Yes. And I'm sure those Russians, those Russians would go would, would like go and pour vodka wherever they can. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the whole thing is ridiculous. And but it was it was worse than ridiculous because it really amounted to election interference. And the Democrats should pay for that in a just world. Now, I'm also convinced. Let, let me speak against democracy for a second, because uh, I uh, kind of I'm convinced that the Democratic voters know about that. The people who are still supporting Biden, I'm convinced that they know Biden, the Hunter Biden laptop was real, and that they know it contained, you know, indicators of Biden corruption. And I'm convinced, and by the way, Republicans are just as bad about their own things, but I'm convinced Democrat voters just don't care. Their attitude is, he may be a bastard, but he's our bastard. Does that make sense, Daniel? Yeah. Yes, yes, it does make sense. I'm sure you're right. But there's a there's a great 30 percent in the middle, uh, you know, who uh, who who don't think that way. And and they were and they were deprived of, of significant, important information by the suppression of those of, of the laptop story. So, yeah, there are there are right, hardcore so- there are, and there are hardcore Republicans who say the same thing. Right. They don't they don't they, right. they couldn't care less, you know, what Trump is up to. I mean, as Trump said, I could, I could shoot someone in uh, the middle of Fifth Avenue and still get elected. And, and for a certain Republican hardcore, that's true. Uh, but, you know, but, but the, it's, the, it's the, the 30 percent in the middle which decides election. So let me ask you this, uh, a broad political question, because you're always great and have good answers, Daniel. And I always love having you on our show. So how do you keep democracy from turning into mob rule, in your opinion, what's does that make sense? Even make sense to you as a question? Does it make sense? I mean, I've I've heard the question before a thousand times. It doesn't make sense. I mean, mob rule is purely in the eyes of the of the beholder. I mean, if you uh, if if there's an election and and if you're and if the other side wins fifty one to forty nine, then of course you're going to scream mob rule. But if your side wins 51 to 49, you're going to say like, oh, my God, you know, the, the, you know wisdom has, has seized hold of, a, of American society and we are entering into the, sub, the, the, the sunlit uplands. I mean, uh, I mean, you know, the, in democracy, the majority wins. And if you lose, as, and so that's something that happens to everybody now and then, if you lose, all you got to do is fight harder and, and just win one, you know, convince one or two percent to switch to your side, because that's all it takes to shift them and uh, uh, turn them a majority into a minority, and you know, and then you will prevail. Uh, so you know, and 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 you know, mob rule. You know, uh, there there are plenty of countries that have far more democratic 
systems than we do. And the problem is not mob rule. If anything, the problem tends to be, you know, overstability. You know, the same, the same people, the same parties get, you know, keep getting elected again and again and again, and things sort of get into a rut. I mean, in, a, in, a, in post-war Italy, the Christian Democratic Party essentially ran the government for roughly 60 years or 55 years. You know, and uh, and and even though they have like you know a much more democratic system system than we do, and do you think do you agree with me that both parties actually have given up trying to appeal to voters by doing things that will make their lives better? It seems to me like both parties, and it's especially true, I think, of the de- Democrats, no longer even make the case much that this will actually benefit your lives in a major way. Daniel? Yes, because American society, the machinery of government is breaking down. And contrary to, you know, to free market ideology, you need government. You need good, effective, democratic, small d government. And our government is breaking down and society is breaking down as a consequence also. I mean, there are armies of homeless. They, this, the situation, you know, when the Rust Belt gets worse and worse, we have, we have a major drug crisis, one of the worst in American history. Uh, you know, uh, uh, longevity has declined, what, nearly two years over the last, at least since 19, since 19, since uh, 20, I think it's 2017. I mean, this country is in the grips of a major, uh, you know, downhill slide and neither party has an answer of how to turn things around because they're they're sure. both wedded to this broken down machinery of government which has gone for 235 years without a major overhaul if you had a 235 year old car it wouldn't work very well anymore daniel we're out of time but tell people where they can read your writing again Okay, I write regularly for a British publication called The Weekly Worker. So it's theweeklyworker.co.uk. Daniel Lazar, great appearance as always. Thank you so much. Also, thank you to Malik Abdul for great appearance live from our logo. And thanks to all our great backstory callers, Owl Killer, Tarif, and you joining the show tomorrow, 202-521-1320. I'm Lee Strahan, and this has been... Backstroke.